0: Welcome to another edition of Cued Up. It is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Quinton Pelzel with you, taking you home for the next 20 minutes or so as we divulge some of the biggest topics in the world of sports. And I'm t- going to tell you, a lot has gone on over the last week, especially over the weekend Got some news regarding the locals with Quinn and Williams going on Twitter and voicing his frustrations. And then Ja Morant, how dumb he is. I'll get into that. And then, of course, the controversy that everyone is talking about from last night during the Yankees-Blue Jays game. Aaron Judge is up to bat, and the first three pitches go by. On the third pitch, it was pretty low, but it was still called a strike. Judge was obviously ticked off, and Aaron Boone saw that, so Boone went out there, he got himself ejected, he threw his gum, and I guess the Yankees broadcast caught that and did a slow motion, and while that was happening, Judge was looking awkwardly down the right field line. Now, I don't know if he was looking at the dugout or if he was looking towards the first base coach Who is Travis Chapman. Now, I want to be clear before I get into this. I do not think Aaron Judge is cheating. Do I think that he definitely knew the pitch was coming? Yes, 100%. I think he knew the pitch was coming. Why did he look not once but twice to the right side, literally a second before the pitch came? He didn't do that in any other at-bat. None of the cameras caught him doing that at all. This is the first that I've heard of this in this game against this pitcher. That's the first I've ever heard of it. And Aaron Judge proceeds to say after the game that it was because the guys in the dugout were still chirping the home plate umpire. But, I mean, he was doing that before Aaron Boone even got ejected. So that whole explanation by Aaron Judge didn't make sense at all. So that is why I do think he was obviously tipped off by... One of the pitches that the Blue Jays pitcher was going to throw, I think they knew what was coming, and they didn't cheat. Now, they didn't use any uh, video or technology to help aid them, which I think when people say cheat, they kind of misconstrue that. But it's not cheating if you know what's coming by just picking up signs or stealing signs the old-fashioned way, by trying to gain an edge that is not cheating. And I've seen a lot of articles today in The Athletic where the Yankees cheating. To even bring up cheating without any basis, it just makes yourself look terrible. And there is no evidence whatsoever about the Yankees banging on garbage cans or, you know, looking at video or using Apple uh, watches. There's no evidence of that. All it was was that the Yankees probably saw from this particular pitcher coming in from the bullpen that he does something, whether it's before the pitch or whether the catcher was tipping his pitches because of that pitch calm that he has to touch on his knee to tell the pitcher what to throw. I don't know how the Yankees knew it or what they saw in this particular pitcher on the mound, but they obviously knew what was coming, and Aaron Judge saw that. He let the first pitch go, and then the second pitch, he absolutely crushed 470 feet. Now, if he didn't hit the home run, maybe this whole story today isn't a big deal. Maybe if he pops out to the second baseman, we're not even talking about it, but because he hit that 470-foot home run, and because the Blue Jays broadcast brought it up literally right before he hit that home run, that's... Going to turn into a huge controversy now, the Blue Jays broadcast, which is tremendous, I would think that they are one of the top two or three booths in all of baseball. Obviously, I'm a Mets fan, I do like Gary, Keith, and Ron, but Dan Shulman and Buck Martinez they are a plus and they are uh, probably for my money number two. I grew up listening and watching Dan Shulman, he still does the NCAA basketball games on ESPN, and Buck Martinez. He fills in every now and then for Shulman doing play-by-play, and he he sounds fantastic. But the two of those guys are great, and they actually were the ones that brought it up in the first place. You can go back to the Yankee broadcast; they were too busy showing the slow-mo of Aaron Boone throwing his gum. I mean, it was a pretty cool shot, but I mean, pay attention, open your eyes. There's something going on here, and the Blue Jays broadcast they saw it. And if it wasn't for them. I don't know if this is even a story. And Aaron Judge, you can tell after the game, he was, con- was kind of caught off guard by the question. And then he just, I think, made up a story about the guys chirping in the dugout and how they were distracting him, and he wanted them to shut up. But that's just not the case. Literally a second before the pitch, and then you look right back to the pitcher, not once, but twice? Why don't why you do something after the first pitch went by? I, it just doesn't make any sense. I think he was looking down the first baseline at the first base coach because he was tipped off by the pitch. He knew what was coming. And then the second pitch, I mean, that was just absolutely crushed. And if you can, go look it up. It's all over YouTube, all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. The Blue Jays broadcast does a fantastic job. And, of course, John Boy gets in on it. He breaks it down beautifully. But uh, it I don't think he was cheating again. He was not cheating. It's not cheating if you have the sign necessarily. It's cheating if you use other pieces of technology, video cameras, Apple watches, some sort of camera to help uh, decipher the pitch. But they didn't. I think it was just good old-fashioned baseball. Signs have been stolen for the past 150 years, and they're going to keep on getting stolen. And it's up to these major league players to conceal those signs. They're getting paid millions upon millions of dollars, and it is not illegal to steal signs. And if you are sloppy enough that the other team knows your signs just by looking at you or by your tendencies, then that's on you. You're getting paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. You should be able to conceal your sign and go about your business without the other team knowing what you're throwing. And kudos to the Yankees. I am by no means a Yankee fan. I'm not a Yankee shill. I don't care about the Yankees at all. And it pains me to defend the Yankees and Aaron Judge, but they didn't do anything wrong here. And the Blue Jays, they came out. Aaron Judge actually came out and he said that he doesn't like how the Blue Jays broadcast handled it and accused him passively of cheating. I was paraphrasing there, but that's basically what he was saying, and I think Aaron Judge is wrong here. I mean, the Blue Jays broadcast, they handled it perfectly. They didn't accuse him of cheating, but they just said that it was definitely awkward, and it was something that they have never seen before. That's it. That's all they said. They went about it perfectly, in my opinion, and I think Aaron Judge needs to tone it down a little bit. Now, tonight, Kevin Gosman is on the mound for the Blue Jays. I think... I would not be surprised if I saw the Blue Jays thrown up and in, getting a little tight against Aaron Judge. Now, I would be surprised if and when Aaron Judge gets hit, if he charges the mound. I don't think Aaron Judge would do that just because he he's above that and he's the captain of the Yankees. He's so calm in his demeanor. There's no way he's going to charge the mound. I would be surprised if he did that if Kevin Gosman throws at him. The Blue Jays have come out and they have voice their displeasure. MLB has gone in on it. They're investigating. But I don't think anything is gonna come of it. I think tonight is gonna be exciting to watch, at least the first at bat, to see if he gets hit. I think later in the game, if one team is up by eight or if it's like if it's not even a game, you have some scrub bullpen pitcher come in, Yankees winning nine to one, I think that's when Aaron Judge would get hit. Hopefully Judge is in the lineup. I haven't seen anything yet in terms of the starting lineup, but Judge better be in there. I think that's pretty much it in terms of that controversy. Spent about nine minutes talking about that. Not really going to be talking about the Mets either. They're playing horribly. They're playing the Rays tonight. The Rays are going with an opener, and then they're going with Yanni Torinos to be that bulk guy. Maybe the Mets should try an opener, try something new, because their bullpen and their starting rotation their starting rotation, especially, has been absolutely terrible, and I think it would probably benefit them if they went with an opener. David Peterson probably should not be on this team anymore. He has just been absolutely terrible, and if you even go back to his starts down in A, they haven't been good either. I think his start right before he got called up to the major leagues, he gave up like six or seven runs in four innings in Triple I know the Mets don't have too many other options, but... Mets fans do not want to see any more of David Peterson. Bring up some guy that we have never even heard of before. I guarantee you he will do better than what Peterson is doing right now, who has about a 7 ERA. Mets fans don't want to see him anymore, and they would rather see some guy that they just drafted out of high school pitch over watching David Peterson because he would probably give them a better chance. That's all I'm going to say about the Mets. They do play the Rays tonight and hopefully they can play up to their opponent, because they've been playing down to their opponents over the past couple weeks, the quote-unquote get-fat part of the schedule, and they did not get fat at all, they have been stagnant, and luckily for them, the Braves have not been winning a ton, and they haven't pulled away, but man, I mean, this was a great opportunity for the Mets to uh, thin that lead out, and they didn't do that, so hopefully they can play well against the Rays tonight. Other news around the world of sports, Quinn and Williams. I think this happened yesterday on Twitter. You have a you have a Twitter bio, and in that Twitter bio for Quinn and Williams, it normally says defensive tackle for the New York Jets. And yesterday he changed that and said defensive tackle for, and then he said dot 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 dot. And if you don't know Quinn and Williams, star defensive tackle for the New York Jets. He is supposedly looking for a big payday this offseason, and it would not be an offseason for the New York Jets without some star demanding another payday, and for Quinnen Williams, he will eventually get that money, but right now, it's just, <laughs> he has to realize that he's gonna get it at some point, and to go on social media, to make a fool out of yourself, I mean, he's acting like an like a child and this entire Jets team, they're not afraid to go on social media. And to a point, I appreciate that. I like that. They show some personality. You got Brees Hall on there, sauce Gardner, and there are a ton of personalities on this team, but when it gets negative, like Elijah Moore going on social media last year and making it about himself and causing a huge distraction, that is when it crosses the line for me. And when you act like a child, like Quinn and Williams is doing right now. It just it doesn't accomplish anything by going on social media and saying defensive tackle for dot dot dot. And then your last retweet was Dexter Lawrence, the defensive tackle for the New York Giants, getting a ninety million dollar extension. He should get somewhere around there, and I guarantee you the Jets will work up to that point. But Williams needs to settle this with his agent out of the public eye. Because it makes him look bad. It makes the Jets look bad. It makes them look like they don't have any control over their players. Like, Why doesn't this happen to any of the um, other notable organizations out there? Like, really, any other. Why doesn't this happen to the Patriots? The Patriots are so buttoned up. It's because Bill Belichick is looked at in the locker room as a guy who doesn't tolerate any of this BS social media crap. And apparently Robert Sala, he is known as a player's coach. The players feel comfortable around him. And I think that is good, especially in this day and age where players around all sports are encouraged to show their personality and be themselves. But you need to have some control over this if you're the Jets and Robert Sala. You got to go tell him, someone's got to tell him, enough of this, cut it out, settle this behind closed doors because it's just not a good look for anyone involved. Terrible look. And hopefully they do solve this. He's not going anywhere. They exercise his fifth year option. He will at least play this year and then we'll see what happens next year. And you know what? I would probably say the Jets and Quinnen and Williams do agree on a long term deal at some point, but I would just I just wish he would have went about this a different way. Now moving on To some NBA news that is pretty recent. Doc Rivers, as of today, is out as the 76ers head coach. And now, I mean, this has been a wild offseason for NBA head coaches. Doc Rivers is out. Monty Williams is out. And how about this? Three of the last four NBA finals winners are out of jobs. Now, Nick Nurse, he was fired this offseason. Frank Vogel was fired last offseason. Mike Boonholzer was just fired last week. That's three of the last four NBA final winners of the head coaches. They are out. Kerr is the only one remaining, and who knows how long he'll last if the Warriors have another uh, year like they did this year. Well, I mean, they won a playoff series, but... The Warriors were not themselves this past year, and there's probably going to be some major changes there, but it's just a league where there is so much coach turnover, it's crazy. I know a lot of people think that in the NHL, there are a lot of coaches that switch teams every year, but the NBA is getting there. How many NBA coach of the years have been canned the year after? I remember George Carl. He won the NBA head coach of the year for the Nuggets. This had to have been five or six years ago. And literally that off season, he was fired and let go. And I think it happened this off season too. I'm trying to remember who won it, but maybe Mike Boonholzer won it. I think Mike Boonholzer, he must have won NBA coach of the year and then he got canned too. And he, he lost or he uh, got fired because... The Bucks lost to the Heat in the first round of the NBA playoffs. It is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And now it creates a coaches' carousel with Doc Rivers, Mike Boonholzer, um, and Monty Williams on the free agent docket. You have a lot of teams looking for NBA head coaches. Wouldn't that be funny if, they, if the Suns... Then like a coach's trade, the Suns get Doc Rivers, and then the 76ers get Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams will have no trouble getting an NBA coaching job. Doc Rivers, I know a lot of Sixers fans absolutely hated Doc Rivers, really from the moment he got there, and I was never really in tune with um, any of his coaching styles. I know he was beloved in Boston up until a couple years before he got um, sent to the Clippers, And I I was just always have admired Doc Rivers. I've always held him in the highest regard. I have a ton of respect for him because he's won a lot. But he has always, his teams always falter in the postseason. Think about when he was with the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers never won with that team. They had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin in his prime, uh, DeAndre Jordan getting all those rebounds. I mean, they were lob city over in LA, and Doc Rivers helped build up the Clippers to not really be the uh, little brother to the Lakers. They actually were pretty competitive those years, and they've still maintained their competitiveness even after Doc Rivers left, and now Doc comes to Philadelphia. He does a pretty good job getting them to playoff pedigree, but they just... They had a 3-2 series lead this year. They blow it to the Celtics. They had a chance to close it out in game six at home, and they couldn't do it. And Doc Rivers, he is a 500 coach in the postseason, and he's lost 10 game sevens in his career. He just can't get it done in the playoffs. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's the actual players. I think in the NBA, I tend to put an emphasis on the players more than the head coach. I think the head coach in the NBA is more of a people pleaser and a personality manager than an actual X's and O's head coach, kind of like Steve Kerr. I mean, Steve Kerr has even come out and said publicly that he is the luckiest man ever because he got put into a great situation. Mark Jackson was fired literally the year before the Warriors started their dynasty. Steve Kerr had nothing to do with... uh, The Warriors' success on the court. Yeah, maybe he had to manage those personalities, Draymond Green, Steph Curry off the court. And Steph Curry really isn't um, a huge personality to manage. Uh, He's been fine off the court. He's been fine on the court, obviously. But Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, with those personalities, it's probably pretty tough. But I mean, Steve Kerr, in terms of actual X's and O's, I don't think anyone looks at him as being one of the best coaches in the NBA. And he's even come out and said that publicly. Uh, And John Morant. Now, John Morant could be the dumbest person on the face of the earth with $190 million. Keeps going out, putting himself out there, and making a fool of himself. And I think the title of this podcast should just be Making a Fool of Yourself, at least for this episode. Because John Morant, literally two months after he said that he was going to be more disciplined, he went out on Instagram Live, showcased himself with a gun. Now, it's not illegal. It's not illegal to carry a gun in Tennessee. But the reason why he got suspended and because he's got a lot of backlash is because two months ago he had an interview with ESPN. He sat down with Adam Silver and said that he was going to be better, said that he was going to be the face of the league, said that he was going to be the face of the team. And he still goes out there, puts it on Instagram Live no less. I mean, it would have been bad if he was just in the car with them, um, you know, you know, showing around his gun, but he went on Instagram Live and showcased it to everyone. How dumb can you be if you're John Morant? And he got suspended. Who knows how long he will be suspended for. It's got to be a slap in the face to Adam Silver, who he lied to. Uh, it's, just, it's just not good. And if you think about that draft when Morant went two, Zion went one, the Knicks got seemingly host at the time getting rj barrett but it's turned out that the knicks really dodged a bullet zion hasn't been able to stay on the court and john Morant is a fool um and rj barrett had okay playoffs obviously faltered in game seven but i mean the knicks the knicks drafted the best guy in terms of off the court on the court overall the knicks got the best player I went a little bit over, but I had to get my two cents in on John Moran. It's just an awful situation, and you know I kind of feel bad for him because he just still doesn't realize the amount of money that he's going to leave on the table and how many people that he's let down because of this. Even though it isn't illegal, it's a terrible look coming on the heels of what you did two months ago. There's been so many off-the-field or off-the-court issues now with this guy that they just keep stacking up. Not a good situation at all, but that'll do it for me on this Tuesday podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will be back later on in the week to recap everything going on this week. Hopefully, the Mets can win. We'll see tonight what happens with Judge and the Blue Jays. Enjoy the weather, and I will be talking to you soon.